Hey, welcome to the second episode of um, what is now called the FS show, which is basically just stories from my life um, dealing with mental health mostly. Uh, the first episode was called Dealing with Depression, <coughs> and that was an overview of the events that have transpired in my life. Episode 2 is also going to be just as wayward and in the end will leave you with the same sense of why have I wasted another hour of my life and uh, definitely just as pointless. So um, I'll try to make this one about the second one, right? Um, and I'm not sure why my story is this interwoven with the women that are a part of it and I'll be honest, even if you take these women out of the entire story you'll still be um, pretty much the same feelings it's just that (coughs) they kind of uh, gravitate towards a certain love story, and this is kind of how love, uh, life is rather, where everything is just a story of wanting to belong to somebody, and when you don't belong anywhere, which is the case with a lot of us, what does end up happening is you realize a lot of things about life that you knew otherwise but it was a heartbreak that's all you the lesson so today is about the second one her name's Safia right now Safia is somebody that is uh, no longer a part of my life and just to put this in context it's the 27th of December 2023 and in about nine days, she's getting married, right? Um, which is wonderful, good for her. Uh, unfortunately, that's also my birthday. So, uh, frankly, in the short run, I'm sure it'll bother me more because I have said this before, I think she's won this one. But long term, it's a horrible idea to get married on the <laughs> bed of somebody who's been part of your life previously. Um, so, let's start with how this all came about. Now, I've known Sophia for a long time. I've known her since we were both kids because um, she is my mother's... Um, friend's daughter right and my mother is somebody who's got a bunch of friends and um, very often their their names would be looked at as a possible match for me by them or by my mother Um, so I've seen her when we were probably I I'm about four and a half years older to her Right, so I've seen her um, when I was 13, I believe. Um, 
I'm sure I've seen it before that I just don't remember and then I've seen it when I was 15 and the next time I saw her was on my birthday and the year 2019 I believe because it was before Covid um, Following that, I've seen her in 2022, which was when our story kind of began. Um, And after 22, I saw her, yeah, in 23, I saw her as well, right? So it's not like I've seen her five times in my life, but... um, those are the times that I remember now. When I was younger, she was very young and we were um, focused on other things. I'm pretty sure I was infatuated with some other crush the first two times I saw her. I didn't pay too much attention and she was pretty young. I never talked to her. Um, and... The third time I think is when uh, right so on my birthday what happened was uh, my my family was in our country back in our country um, and they said listen buddy you've got to come down we're not spending your birthday you know in your absence and I was actually alone at home at the time so um so uh, on the day before the night before is actually when i traveled i um got to my destination early morning on my birthday went home fell asleep for a while woke up took a shower got dressed left my bedroom and there's like uh there's like an upstairs living room right outside so i opened the door that's my sister and and Sophia, right? And those two are the same age almost, and um, they're talking to each other. And she says hi to me, and I say hi. And uh, it took me a while to register who she is. But that's pretty much the first word I said to her. Um, so it was my birthday, we like cut a cake, and uh, I never actually talked to her. And I also never figured why she was there um, for a while, right? <coughs> So in 2020, I was 26. Um, I would just turned 26, actually. 2019, sorry. So I'm 25, I would just turned 25. Um, and, you know, um, in my life, I was kind of figuring out my place in the workforce. I was making my name in my industry. Uh, I was busy with a lot of things, I had a lot of scores to settle, you know, that from the previous episode. Um, and I was, you know, making my stride, I'd gone really far, but then at that specific point I was kind of in between jobs. And um, it wasn't great, but at the same time, like I said, I was uh, working on myself, I was getting a few certifications, I wasn't wasting my time, so um, I didn't... S- see it as necessarily something that I would regret, but I was on a mission. Um, but I went downstairs and, you know, it's pretty much close family and my mother's friend. 
Now, I didn't uh, realize it at the time, but these two wonderful women had set up like a um, debutante ball for us so the two of us could meet. Now, I personally do not know how I compare when it comes to talking to women and all that. Now, on a personal level, you know, I'm decent, like I do talk to women, I can hold a conversation. But it's very hard for me to pretend like I'm interested in somebody. So if I'm not, you will get those vibes. And I'm not generally. Because I have stated this before, I have very high standards. I do not fall in love all that easily. So that day I didn't actually talk to her because she was um, surrounded by her. Uh, either by like her mother or other people that know her or my sister and um, like I said if I meet a woman personally like you know away from family like with friends or something like that I will talk to her but in these situations I try my best not to and I keep like a distance um, that's just because you know the the environment's not conducive so I didn't talk to her all that day. She did sing a song for us, um, which was nice. She does sing well, I guess. And that's always been something I've liked. And, you know, cut a cake, moved on. That was about it. I spent a few days in the country, in the home country, and uh, flew back <coughs> about four days later. Now, parents come back. Uh, maybe a few weeks later and uh, this one Saturday I wake up and I go downstairs and my mother's in the kitchen and she says buddy something I need to talk to you about and I say yeah what's going on and she says you know there's this proposal that's come for you and it's Sophia and I said what are you on about and uh, she says to me you know her mother saw you and she did like you and she did ask for your hand for her daughter. Now, like I said, I was 25. <coughs> I just turned 25. She was 20, which means she was still in university. So they were trying to get her married in like a year or two. Um, now, to describe her, she's decent looking like um, it's nothing. Uh, she looks cute, I guess. <clears throat> not something you'd write home about but at the same time uh, I think most men would not have a problem with her um, and I am going to be objective here there's a bunch of stalkers that she's had a bunch of people that have followed her and she used to have like a public profile where she used to sing songs and it had a number of fans most of whom were men most of whom were hitting on her right now I do not condone the uh, the stupid things that men get up to but at the same time it's a decent reflection of um, a person's um, attractiveness let's say because men are very primitive they don't really go beyond a certain um, like you know men are not on Instagram talking about someone's personality <laughs> so um <clears throat> So when uh, I did come downstairs, I, I, even though these are the things that, that were being said, I sensed that she was kind of having her own um, 
reservations to edit. So she asked me what I uh, did think, and she won't let me forget this. I told her, there's no way, buddy. If you want, get married to yourself, right? Now, why I said that is interesting. Um, and it's because, and I've said this before, I've said this a number of times, it's because at that point of time I already knew the most beautiful woman in the world and I wanted to make her mine and I believed I could. And if you're just joining us now, the most beautiful woman in the world is named Tadia. And uh, I've talked about her in the previous episode. I will talk about her probably a little bit here as well, not as much. So I believed at that point of time, even though I knew Nasr out yet, that I could one day make her mine. So I said no. But also my family weren't too disappointed because they had their own reservations when it comes to not the girl itself, but the family and their reputation. Because there were a few concerning bits there. And to be honest, if I did like her, these are not things that I would pay heed to. Which is a mistake I actually made, so um, <laughs> uh, pay attention, kids. <laughs> Make new mistakes, right? Um, so, um, I said no, and I guess that ended there. After she went off to even my, my father, who was somebody who's always told me, mate, I'm never going to tell you who to marry or who not to. That's completely your decision. He did voice concerns to my mother, uh, so she was more than happy to let it go. She was like the proponent of that proposal in our family. And even she wasn't too convinced. Um, now at that point of time, let me be honest here because I do not, really want to come back and clarify this later but at that point of time she was all right yeah uh, in terms of what she'd done her history she hadn't made mistakes that she couldn't come back from um so the years go by now at that point of time that was like the first proposal that i remember receiving i have received all this but uh, this is the first one i remember receiving um and it was pretty early, I wasn't looking and uh, my family had this uh, kind of preference to get my sister married first uh, and then me. So I didn't, I've never believed in keeping a woman waiting, so that was also something that concerned me. Um, my sister at the time was 20, she turned 21 10 days after my birthday. So she was still in university, she had near left and then she'd get married probably. Um, so there was a lot of time and I hadn't started thinking about what I wanted in a wife or whether I should get married yet or any of that. I was happily single and I wish I could go back to that now. Uh, unfortunately life changes with circumstance and I am no longer happy to be single. I am also not single, just in case the most beautiful woman in the world is listening. <laughs> like, she knows I would never do something like that. But at the same time, I'm not in a relationship. I'm not about to get married or anything, but I'm also not looking. Because um, I've met my soulmate, you know. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, hey, met my soulmate, yeah. So... Uh, that was 2019, and um, 
the years go by and uh, 2021 uh, I'm 27 and my father passes right um, and it was a tough time and my mother had this uh, um, desire to see both her kids settled now before my father passed she'd found somebody for my sister and they started talking and um, we did finalize the engagement, the, the marriage shortly thereafter. It did take about two years from when they first met. Um, but it was the same guy. He's a wonderful guy, right? So uh, after my father passed and my sister's affairs were kind of... Uh, on the way to be settled my mother started telling me I should start looking so um, she did have like a profile of me posted uh, for an arranged marriage and people used to come by from time to time now the most amazing fact in that whole um, time and the only thing that I really found interesting was how the tables are turned and what I mean by that was when I was when we were younger Kosh and I women's fathers used to despise us we were the guys that they thought would you know run away with their wonderful darling daughters uh, to the extent that in the sixth grade now Kosh and I were our, our, our friendship is worth you know an entire podcast which is why that exists but to give you the gist of it when we I've known him for 21 years we weren't always friends we started off as sworn enemies because we were in opposite classes and every time we played a sport we were on opposite teams and him and I are the same kind of personality we go up on each other and anybody else we're very aggressive in terms of sport and the way we play um so we were fighting all the time like there was a time when every day we'd meet the headmistress and she'd uh, she was supposed to give us a dressing down she didn't because her son who was an idiot like us was also a part of the team and he was much much worse than we were we were aggressive but we weren't idiots her son was an absolute numbskull he was going around breaking glass windows because he thought it would be fun right so Karsh and I were always fighting up until like the fifth grade and the sixth grade was when we were put together in the same class and everybody else was now against us because every every other dude in our class was pretty much as useful as a wet towel um, which is when we became friends right now we became friends and in that classroom was this one girl who was uh, kind of beautiful and everybody had a crush on her so uh as did Karsh and I and she was speaking to both of us we had her on MSN I don't know how many of you are old enough to remember that like we'd go home from school and log on to MSN Messenger and you had to have somebody's email ID back then like it's not like today when you have social media like somebody had to tell you their contact detail for you to be able to um talk to them which is good because it means they're kind of interested in you to begin with, yeah. 
so um she was talking to me she was talking to him she was also talking to a bunch of other dudes um but we saw it as like our duty to kind of woo her and the both of us tried and uh come valentine's day 2006 she came up with this wonderful plan where you'd have to get um like a card for your secret love right or your crush and then we'd all step outside the class and uh, go in one by one and each one would place their card on the desk of the person who they secretly admired. It was just uh, one of those secret admirer things, right? So uh, I made a, I did not make a card. Um, I bought one. Uh, Karish did as well. And it, it, we saw it as like, you know, everybody knew who we were giving it to. But uh Miss Congeniality had to make a decision, right? It had to be one of us, or it could be another one also. Who knew, right? But we'd find out that day. So come Valentine's Day 2006, we both go in individually, leave our card on her table, and we step out, right? And everybody's done. We walk back into our classroom. I check my desk. There's a few cards there. Uh, I go through them and uh, they're all from women that I do not care about. So I do not read them. Uh, and then I look over at him and he's got a few cards and he's not caring about them either. He's looking at me and we both have this look in our eyes. If it's not us, then who? Then we look around at our stupid idiot friends and it's obviously none of them. So then, together, we both look at her. And then, Miss Congeniality rises to say, you know what? I made the most beautiful card yesterday, and I'd written a name, and I coloured it in, and it was pretty as a sunset, right? But I forgot to bring it today. And we were 13 at the time, but... We knew we were being played that very moment. So both him and I um, decided that we're not, you know, giving this girl the time of day anymore. Like if she wants attention, she can have it from all the other idiots, all the other men who will happily do that, but not from us. So we kind of bonded over our common hatred for this, um, for lack of a better word, this lying... <laughs> unloyal woman yeah so that's the day um valentine's day 2006 that we became best friends and since we've been great friends um and i've kind of lost my train of thought here when it comes to Safia. but um i think where i was um oh now i've kind of really lost the plot here but that's how we became best friends and um, we always had the same kind of high standards, the same taste in women, but we've never let a woman come in between us. And uh, 20, 21, yeah, girls and their dads. So this girl's dad, yeah. Um, we used to play for the team and she used to, uh, like all the teams at practice, um, uh, pretty much after school. So all the guys, all the girls who were part of some team or the other would have uh, come back to practice, right? So Karsh and I were always there and um, our parents, uh, 
God bless them, you know, knew we were the kids that would get home anyway, so they didn't, like, if practice ended at 7, they would not be there till, like, 7.30 or 8, and uh, we didn't mind, you know, Karsh and I had a lot of fun in those hours. So normally what would happen is we'd be the last one to leave, so um, we knew, like, by 8 o'clock we'd be... Um, inside the school compound with the security dude and just speaking to him so at like seven o'clock what we do is we go stand outside um, because we could and uh, just talk about random stuff yeah so this one time we saw her dad um, this is after we were best friends and everything yeah uh, we were no longer interested in her um, so we saw her dad and he was talking to, we see him very often by the way, um, so he was talking to a friend of his and they were really having a great conversation and his friend, and we can overhear him, uh, both of them at this point, his friend says to him, you know, why have you called your daughter? And he said, no, I'm about to go inside. And he said, you know, why don't you let these kids call her? I mean, they're from her class and I'm not sure whose dad that was. But uh, he did know us, and her father, Miss Congeniality, his dad knew us as well. Uh, he looks at us, and, you know, he says, no, no, I'll call her myself. And this man, who, you know, at 7 p.m. on a work day, decided that he would walk 500 meters into a school and call his daughter, instead of sending us, who, you know, <laughs> would have happily done it, shows how much trust the woman's father used to have in us and it was always that way for some reason they always thought that we'd run away with their daughters and the honest truth is we could have but we never would have because um why would we run away we way too young <laughs> yeah so uh how the tables turned was come 2021 um a lot of women's fathers started contacting us as possible um husbands their daughters and this i don't want to go into the personal details but a lot of women's fathers who i've known who despised me when i was younger and the reason they despised me and Karsh is because we were the kind of guys who knew how to woo women they were just scared that you know we'd um woo their daughters or something like that so um, the tables are turned because they were now calling us and on paper we looked like eligible bachelors and uh, perhaps we were. But it always surprises me like when a woman's father tells you, you know, I'll send you pictures of my daughter and I go, dude, what is going on? Like um, I've never been a fan of arranged marriages or having to talk to a woman's family before talking to her. So all my life we've been, you know, we've been able to talk to women on our, on our own. I've never taken permission from anybody's family. Uh, and if I had asked, they would probably have denied it as well. <laughs> so, um, you know, wooing a woman is like very basic survival skills, if you ask me. And uh, wooing a woman's father is something that I reservedly for the love of my life. <laughs> so, um, um, so that was going on, I was getting a bunch of marriage proposals, none of them were measuring up and I hadn't grown the courage to ask Hadir out myself. Um, 
So the time came when um, this proposal kind of came by a second time. How that happened was I was in uh, in our country again because my sister was having like a pre-engagement um, function with her, with her in-laws, right now in-laws. And my mother had invited her friend and she brought along her daughter. We had about four days where we all saw each other. And I, and I think she came by on three of them. And uh, she was generally very helpful. She did sing um, a bunch of other things. So, um, so even in that time, like, like I was single, her mother did come and measure me up, you know, she did come and say, when are you getting married, buddy, you're next, and I said, I don't know, you know, like, I'm not liking any of the women that are coming my way, and she says to me, oh, my daughter feels the same way, she doesn't like anybody, and I said, that's interesting, yeah, but, you know, she was very clearly um, laying the net, laying the net, spreading the net, I guess, um, there, right, so I go back to uh, work right after, and about two, three weeks later, again, my family's back home, and I come back downstairs, and my mother's got the same yes. question, years later, two years later, yeah, said uh oh they're interested to ask again and i said uh, now at that point of time i genuinely did not believe that i could get a deer um and life had kind of broken me my father's passing had been i wouldn't say it was tough but it had me reevaluate a lot of things that i wanted in my life i no longer had a shade or support or any of that so I said, let's see, and my mother told her friend, and we started talking, right? This is in August of 2022. Yeah, right after I'd come back from the country and everything. So we started talking. Uh, I got a number and um, sent her a message. I said, you know, whenever you're free, let me know and I'll call you. Uh, and I did. And um, I'm going to try and be as objective about this as I can. So first off, she told me, you know, there's a few things that I'd like to think about before we go any deeper into this. And I said, all right, think about whatever you want. And I was very upfront about who I am to her, you know, I told her, listen, I'm not like most people that you'll meet, I'm kind of different in my tastes, in my opinions, in my, in my methods, and uh, I was upfront with her about everything, that was a flaw in me, that was the first call, uh, a couple of days later, she said, I'm free, you free, and I said, I wasn't, I said, I am, so I called her, and we talked, and, um, that second call, we started talking about TV shows and we kind of um, met in the middle and she was really, for some reason, she was 
uh, impressed by the fact that I could quote some of her favorite shows and movies. Now that's a very low standard to have, because um, I can do that for pretty much any <laughs> any movie, right? Um, but she was impressed, so I told her. Uh, um, she asked me what kind of movies I like, and I recommended Before Sunrise to her, because it's a movie I like. She hadn't seen it. Um, so she told me, all right, I'll call you after two days. And I said, all right. And then two days later, she calls me, and then she says, listen, I'd love the movie. And I said, why are you this um, impressed by this? And she said, I don't know. For the first time, I feel like there is somebody who kind of... Um, assess things this in this wonderful way that makes me want to listen to more of it and she told me you know I don't know why I'm waiting and thinking so much I think I know that I want to talk to you and then it became it became it became like a thing where we were talking every day right and uh, in all honesty this whole time I was talking to her like I won't lie um idea was not something I considered a possibility at the time. So um we started talking every day and the first day that that happened we talked for about seven hours. It was like the middle of the night by the time um we hung up and like the sun had come up. Uh and it was a really good conversation. Um, and we talked about a bunch of things and we kind of aligned on a lot of it which is important but it's not the important thing Um, so that was call number three yeah and then it kept going and by call number seven which means by like a week of knowing her she came by and she said listen I no longer need any time I've decided um and I want to tell my family that I'm in love. And I still remember her saying that. And I remember it's way too easy, buddy. Like, are you playing life on easy mode? Right? Know a few movies, know a few songs. And then you've got yourself a marriage proposal. Um, but she told her family. I told mine. My family weren't impressed at all. A uh, bunch of savage people. Them, you know, just told me you could do better, buddy. And I said... <laughs> I said, listen, whatever happens, happens. And they went, they didn't stand in my way or anything. Um, so that was uh, the first month, which is August, went by well. It was great talking to her. We, we never really got to the hard-hitting topics. Um, and then came September, and September was great as well, because again, we're talking about things that, you know, is, and I don't know if you've, like, if you've talked to me, like, I'm, I'm an endless series of stories, like, I'm not even a person, I'm like a collection of sto- short stories that are interesting, so you can spend any amount of time talking to me and you'll feel good, it doesn't mean that I'm interested, right? But in September, she told me something on a Friday, which I registered as a red flag. Now, she told me that she does drink, right? 
And uh, I've never been a person who's judged anybody that drinks as anybody who's worse than, um, I don't know, somebody who doesn't drink. I don't think that's really defining aspects, right? Um, so she told me that. She told me she smokes. She told me she does drugs as well. Um, and then she asked me, you know, what do you think? And I said, listen, it's your life. I'm not here to tell you what to do, what not to. You can do whatever you want to. And I wouldn't want you to change because of me, right? Now, I did mean that, but at the same time, if you're clever enough, you know what I'm really saying is uh, get your shit together, but do it for yourself. So, um, I think a couple of days later, she told me, um, actually, this is the 14th of September, uh, she told me, listen, I'm quitting all this, I'm no longer going to drink, I'm no longer going to do drugs. And I told her, this is the third time we had that conversation, she kept asking me, are you alright with me doing this? And I kept saying, listen, whatever you want to do, if you want to change it, do it for yourself, don't do it for me. Right? So on the 14th of September, she makes a promise. Now I said this in the last episode, one of the hang-ups I have is loyalty and broken promises. On the 15th of September, she calls me and she's crying and I said, what's wrong? And she said, listen, I don't want to hide it from you, but I'm drunk. And that was the beginning of the end because she broke a promise to me that I did not ask her to make. And anybody who breaks a promise to me is no longer the same. So I said, listen, it's all right, don't cry. Um, We'll talk about this later. And I absolutely hate talking to somebody who's drunk because they're out of their senses. Um... And uh, September 15th is like one of the worst days of my life because I know how I felt that day. And uh, I remember like I was at the gym when she told me I want to talk to you. And uh, I had a high from the gym at the point. And I, once I talked to her, I felt like absolute shit. It was Thursday, it was a weekend, so uh, I had to go grocery shopping. And I remember being stood outside in my car. Uh, of the grocery store and thinking, you know, and I was, I didn't want to go home because I knew you could see it on my face that I was broken. I didn't want to go into a grocery store because I was broken and I hated that feeling and I didn't deserve it. Mm, so we talked about it the next day and I told her how important promises are to me and she apologized a thousand times. And she kept asking me, are you sure you don't drink? Are you sure you don't drink? And I kept telling her, listen. Uh, I told the same thing, I have an addictive personality, I've never had a drink in my life, I've been to bars a number of times, I've no problem with people who choose to drink, but I cannot personally drink ever in my life, one, I'm a religious person, two, I have this problem and I know if I start drinking it'll be the end of me, right? If I found solace in the bottom of a bottle, that will be the end of me. Um, so this goes on unresolved and uh, she's got like a family set up where you know all her cousins are together and drinking and one of the first questions they asked when she said she's getting married to me is does he drink and she said no and uh, they weren't very happy right so september goes by is decent uh, decent conversations where we can see you know the red flags are waving in the wind buddy and uh, it's not like I was completely free of fault as well. 
I was kind of um, high sta- way too high standards with her. I mean, she could never have met that, right? Um, so then, come October, um, she was away for a few days, and because we weren't talking for that duration, I had some time to think. And I remember writing some things that I could never take back, and there was a feeling of res- of resentment that was overcoming me. And I talked to her about it, and all she did was get sad and angry and not change anything. It is the worst way to do or something like that. Um, so October goes by, and we're seeing the differences come in, and she keeps telling me, you know, she wants everything. That's a horrible thing to say because if you want to get married, you've got to understand that even if you've not got or want to get married, yeah, you've got to understand you can't have everything in life. If if push comes to shove, what would you choose, right? And if I'm not your number one priority, if I'm not something that you would fight for, right, then don't keep me in your life. I'm not anybody's choice to make. I would never treat her the same way either. If everything I had was on one side and she was on the other, I would still choose the woman that I was with, right? And this is why I keep saying I'm quite high standards and she couldn't meet them. Um, So October goes by, November comes, and November is horrible because I was spending a lot of time in the desert because uh, I wanted to think about what I was doing with my life and my family kind of saw that I was having reservations. They told me, listen, if you want to walk away, walk away. What happened in November was um, she told me about her ex um, who she'd just broken up with a few days before we'd met um, for my sister's engagement. Um, and I found it funny. And I found it funny because... This dude, and forgive me for being honest, but he's one of the ugliest dudes I've met. Like, in no sense should him and I be, you know, put on the same page or on the same stage or anything. Like, if I was in a supermarket, he shouldn't be out inside, you know what I mean? Like, there's no redeeming qualities to that dude, and I don't really have a personal problem with him. He's a great guy, I'm sure, but... Like I said, we don't belong, you know, on the same um, <laughs> on the same platform. Uh, so he was kind of uh, they th- those two, by the way, know each other from school. Uh, I don't think their relationship until after, but they had a very serious relationship. Like this girl was actually engaged um, the first time I turned her down. Um, she did get engaged to a dude and then she called it off after a while. So she called it off because she was with, uh, her boyfriend and he'd convinced her that he'd marry her. Uh, and then they were in a relationship for like the time between when her and I became a thing. And, uh, it was a very, um, feared relationship because I remember her saying her favorite memory of it was like, him being high on um, crack and I remember thinking like for you in like the midwest of the United States when this happened because who gets high on crack man uh, and he was driving and she had a panic attack and he and he pulled over on the side of the road to calm her down and I said this is the worst love story I've heard like twilight ranks higher than this um and I do not honestly genuinely care at all. 
right um if it was any man i wouldn't consider him my com uh, my competition if it was him i wouldn't even consider him worthy to know me as a person in my life right and i'm sorry i sound pompous but uh <coughs> we are who we are and it's very important that you not only know your worth but you know you know what you're worthy of and you don't settle on that so um what happens in november is her ex starts hitting her up and hitting me up and he messaged me the first time he messaged me he told me about what relationship they had and i said buddy if she's yours she's yours i'm not going to take her away from you i don't care if you I, I said this in the last episode as well, like he's done more with less and I can't win against that man. All praise to him, yeah. Um, for all the little that he is, he's done great things. Um, so these two had a very intense relationship. She kept telling me, and this is something that I think is a mistake of her, she kept telling me everything that happened. Uh, the fact that were, um, this is like I don't actually care about this this is just funny so I'll t say this yeah so uh, he used to manipulate her into um, being his and getting his way with her so he'd show her like photographs of women that were not um, modest right and discuss women with her in an effort to get her to feel insecure and she once asked me if you know uh if if stupid people can manipulate you and i told her you know um there are people who know how a car engine works and how a transmission works and how <laughs> getting talk to the wheels work right and then there's idiots who know that if you press the accelerator the car goes forward right both of these people know how to drive cars and <laughs> that's I guess it was just my way of telling her that whether or not somebody's clever if they're manipulating you you know they are um, so he did get her to compromise a lot of her beliefs and uh, I don't believe anybody who compromises on their faith is has any faith at all so he did she kept asking me really weird questions in the beginning and I did tell her like she asked me once if somebody came to you with nudes of me would you be alright and I said listen if <laughs> I hate answering these questions as well because I told her listen um, I would never judge a woman for her past especially before she knew me right and I meant that and I still mean that to this day, like I've never held that against her. Um, and she also kept talking to me, and this is not a good idea to do to anybody who's listening. She kept talking to me about like how she blacked out the first time she did it with him. And I don't know why she'd tell me that, you know, like it's not like I need those images in my head. Uh, and I think that the, the one that really broke me, right, was the desert to me is a very special place. I've stopped going because it's also very uh, much a cruel mistress who keeps putting me in situations where I almost lose my life. So I've stopped doing that. But it's always a special place to me because it's 
where I go to think and um, like I've had some good times in the desert with my friends and alone. She told me about this one time when she was alone in the desert with him and what they did in the back of their car. And that ruined the desert for me. Like, oh, I've never brought a woman to the desert. Like, it's not the place to do it, you know, like, <laughs> nowhere to do what, yeah. So, um, that was all in November and he was hitting me up and he was hitting her up. Um, now, I, I did give her the benefit of the doubt, but at this one time I saw, like, she told me, you know, I don't have any men on Instagram, and I said, it's a good thing, right? All men have the same intention, and I've always said this, and any woman who doesn't know this, wake up. No man wants to be friends with you. You know, you can have, like, an amazing personality. There is no way that it compares to uh, the friendship between a man and another man. So... um when I went through her following request, there was this one account which was suspicious because it followed her and it followed her ex. And the only two followers of that account were her and her ex. Right? Um, and it was new. It wasn't there before. So I had a suspicion that something was going on. Um, and then late November... We'd gone to a point where I decided that I was not going to marry her. All the red flags were adding up, despite how fun the conversations were. This woman was not really somebody who's uh, meant for me, right? But she did have a lot of mental issues and traumas. And I want to talk about this because that's what this podcast is about. Uh, apologies, I, yeah, so that's what this podcast is about, yeah, so uh, I told her at the time that uh, I'm not going to leave you alone if, uh, or leave you to, in a situation where you're uh, struggling, right, so I decided that I wouldn't marry her, but at the same time I told her I'll stand by you, I'll talk to you, I'll try and get you out of this. And I did talk to her about her mental health and what she needed to do. And she has struggled with mental health before. She had self-harm tendencies. Um, she has anxiety. She has panic attacks. This one time I was in a place where you're not allowed to have uh, your phone on you. And it was early in the morning and we don't generally text or talk that early. So um, she tried to reach me. She couldn't, and she reached out to my entire family and was having a panic attack, and by the time I came back, I had like 15 missed calls, all asking what I was, and she'd um, kind of wanted to talk to me, couldn't find me. So I didn't want to do that to her. Um, so I did talk to her for about two, three weeks on her mental health, and I wanted to try and f help her out of this before I left her, right? And I would do that for anybody, like, to be honest, if anybody was struggling, I'd be there for you. 
um and uh, i remember this one day i she said you know i'm thinking of going to therapy and i said you should and she said you know i don't know i don't want my family to find out so um i found some therapists that were good that were around where she was from um so on this one friday um she again she called me early in the morning and i wasn't there um having a shower i think and uh i didn't pick up when she called um so she was at the therapist's office and she was having a panic attack there and she said i'll call you back and i was really worried for her so in the afternoon she calls me and i ask her how her session went and she said oh i couldn't do it i walked out i said oh that's all right you know and uh, she told me listen i'm wasting your time and i said i know and she said no no it's not fair to you i'm wasting your time and um and then she said uh and i told her it's all right you know i told you i'm not even if we don't get married i'll still help you out yeah so she said oh listen there's somebody here i need to go i'll call you back just give me a few minutes right and she kept me waiting for a while actually and it was a friday and i was in my bedroom it was like 1 p.m and she kept me there till 5 and i was angry because you shouldn't waste anybody's time like that like i thought she was in need and she didn't have the decency to text she's done this a lot of times before and i've been angry because you can tell me if you're not free and just tell me when you are as for me i've always kept some people in my life a priority and i will always be there if you said don't take that for granted um so she comes back at five and uh at five i'd made my decision like she was out of my life i'd blocked her and everything i'd sent a nice goodbye message and i told her you know i wish you nothing but happiness and that's how it all ended with sophia between us and uh that was a friday i think by monday we sort of told our families um they were talk to each other didn't end really well like they were very like the my mother and her mother had always agreed that no matter what happens it wouldn't it wouldn't affect our friendship and it hasn't um but you know by monday was when everybody knew now it wasn't somebody that really i wanted to get married to sophia yeah like when i look back she's absolutely not the right woman for me and i said this uh for all the reasons that i had stated above uh on the friday that i told you about i called Karsh on the thursday before and i told him listen there's this woman and he knew about sophia at the time and i told him you know i don't know if i'm being out of minded should i have an issue with the fact that she's um she gets drunk and he said listen addiction is something that runs in your genes and if that's there then that's never going to go away you're going to have to deal with that your whole life uh and then i asked her i asked him should i be concerned about the fact that she has this history with this one man and he said you know if this is the mother of your children that you're talking about that's not behavior that you should condone and i asked him um after i wrote that line you know um all i can do is not step in the ring with his his not mine 
drunken alcoholic sex fiend that is Sophia, right? And after I told them that line, he said, mate, um, you, there's no coming back from this. I know you've already made your decision. So I decided um, previously that I needed to end over there on Friday. I did call it off. But uh, Karish did call me like on Sunday. And he said, how are you dealing with the breakup? And I talked to him about it and he said, mate, I don't know anybody with as much resolve as you. And I said, why? And he said, you know, it sounds like you've not been through a breakup at all. And I said, mate, the resilience in me is always something that is endured. And I told him, you know, like, I don't care about her and what she's done to me. And she did leave me in a bad place because I trusted somebody and she broke my heart and she did. And she did, by the way, cheat on me. She did break promises to me. And I told you, the only hang-ups I have are loyalty and broken promises. She cheated on me with this dude. And uh, in the time that we were together, like I told you, there was a time in October when she was away for a few days. Um, he was in that same location as well. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> The wonderful man that he is um, did tell me about that as well, that they were together. Uh, and she cheated on me and it broke my heart, man. Like, what did I do to deserve that? I've been nothing but wonderful to this woman and all she does is, you know, go out and sleep with the dude who made her feel like she had manipulated her. Well done. Uh, and she broke every promise she'd made to me. Uh, the first one I told you about, and since then she made a few other promises. All of which she broke within one day of making them. Like this one time she told me we would never go to bed without talking to each other, right? And I didn't ask for it. The next day she was uh, travelling back from her like, ancestral home. And she says to me, listen, I'm tired and I can't speak to you today. And it broke my heart. I know these small hang-ups, but there was absolutely no need for her to guarantee something and to take it away from me. Um, so that was what I was showing resilience from, not the fact that she'd no longer uh, be a part of my life. So the resilience I had was something that I like to talk about, and I no longer have this, but... I wanted to prove her wrong, I wanted her to regret losing me, and I worked on myself, I focused on the gym, I became a better person, I found my faith, I became a better Muslim, um, I, became a, I became a writer after that, um, what else, I've become a more understanding partner to have. And in all ways, I've tried to be a better version of the man that I was when I was with her. And I am, but like I said, I haven't won this one because she's getting married to the same dude. Uh, and I'm here talking to you about resilience. But uh, Karish was very helpful. My family is very helpful. They helped me get through about three months where I felt absolutely betrayed. And uh, Hadiya, the most beautiful woman in the world, met me at the end of those three months. And uh, in one meeting, I found my faith again. And what can I tell you, man? She was so beautiful that even somebody who talks as much as I do and as deeply as I do was lost for words in front of her. So life is unfair, but hang around 
you know it's i i'm not going to say it can't get any worse it does very often but you meet some people along the way that make you thankful for being alive this has been episode two of the fs show resilience i will see you next time